I brought my watch with me because in Mexico we're not too concerned about time. I guess I moved this this way, right? I'm just following Todd's example. So, yeah, in Mexico we're not too concerned about time, so if I preach an hour, an hour and 15 minutes, no big deal. But here, yeah, it's a big deal. <laughs> but that's not a problem. Well, we're only two days away from another new year, 2019. And I'd like to uh, draw your attention to a bulletin insert or a, your bulletin there. It has a space there. I'd like, uh, to you, I'd like to encourage you to take notes because surely when you leave here today, you're probably not going to remember much of what I said or what we studied. But if you have those notes in front of you, you can look at them, and that'll help you remember. So I'd like to encourage you to do that. We're going to be in Luke chapter 5 today, verses 1 to 11. So if you have your Bible with you, I'd like to encourage you to look at it. And I'm kind of hesitant to tell you to look on your cell phones because it's always a problem in Mexico City because you've got people on their cell phones and they, use, they have their Bible on their cell phone, which is okay, but the problem is when they get a message or a phone call, and uh, then they get distracted. And as it is, we're pretty distracted anyway. So, so I'd like to encourage you to do that. We're going to be looking at some biblical principles for sure. God has some things to tell you today and me that he wants you to know for 2019. And I want you to know that God's purpose for you is for you to be more like Jesus Christ. That's his overall purpose for you and for me. It's not for, you, for me to be happy. It's not for you to be happy. Although that's a byproduct of doing what God asks you to do. So that's his overall purpose for you in 2019, if you'd like to write that down. In Luke chapter 5, we read, One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. From this passage, we can see God's sovereignty. The fact that he chose Simon Peter's boat was not an accident. It's not like he got into the boat and said, oh, this is... Simon Peter's boat. I didn't know that. He had everything planned out. And in fact, everything that's going to happen in these next verses, he had already knew that they were going to happen and had them planned out. So that's our first principle today. God is a sovereign God. The sovereignty of God means that he's in control of everything, every detail of your life and of my life. And I think we all understand that. I think most of us would agree with that. But when it comes down to actual practice, I think sometimes that breaks down. When good things happen to us, when you get blessed, I think most of us would say, that's God blessing me. That's, that comes from God. But when bad things happen, when difficult times happen, when we have trials, when we have afflictions, we tend to say, God allowed that to happen. But I just don't see that in Scripture. I don't see where God allows things to happen. If you can show it to me in Scripture, I'll be willing to study it and believe it. But I just don't see that. 
what I see is a God who's in control of everything, even the bad times, even the bad times. And I think sometimes we get closer to deism when we think about difficult things in our life. A deist would say that God created the whole world, the whole universe, and you wound it up like a clock and let it go, and he sits back there and says, okay, well, let's see how, how it goes. That's not the God of the Bible. In fact, I have script chapter and verse on several occasions that God causes adversity. Now, maybe that doesn't square away with your concept of who God is, but we have to have a biblical concept, a biblical idea of who God is. If not, we're not going to make it. It's not going to be, we're not going to be able to be pleasing to God. So think about the sovereignty of God and how it affects your life. And I don't want to get too much into suffering, but that's where the challenge comes. Do we really believe that God causes suffering? 1 Peter 4.19 says, Those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to their faithful creator and continue to do good. So sometimes I have to face this. The suffering that my wife and I have gone through being in Mexico City for more than 25 years now, and the suffering we've gone through, I have to confront and deal with the fact that that God had a hand in that. God caused some of that. I had cancer, prostate cancer, two years ago. I was operated on. Praise the Lord, cancer-free. And God didn't allow that to happen. I think that's the real difficult part. God, we get cancer, we get sick, we lose loved ones, and we think God allowed that to happen. But God is a sovereign God. So that means we have to square away with the fact that he's in control, even of those difficult times. And that is key for 2019. Because you are going, maybe some of you, I'm sure, have been through hell and back in 2018. And you're thinking, man, am I glad this year is over with. Right? And next year, you're looking for an easier time. Maybe you're looking for more success, reaching your goals. But God may have other plans for you, as we're going to see here in a couple of verses, things that you don't know that are going to happen. It's to discipline you. There are several reasons why we might suffer. I don't want to get too much into this because the passage doesn't deal with suffering, but it does deal with the sovereignty of God. We suffer because of our own sin. Let's face it, sometimes we blow it. We make a wrong decision and we suffer for it. We can't blame God for that one. Can't blame Satan for that one. Or maybe we're suffering for righteousness. That's what happened with the, with the church in Thessalonica. They suffered for righteousness. And boy, did they suffer. They couldn't say God was allowing that. God was causing that. God was causing their faith to grow. Or because of discipline. God wants to discipline you because he wants you to get better. So in 2019, when you're going through difficult times, and there will be difficult times in 2019. Remember what the character of God and what he is like. Hold on to that. Grab on to that so that your faith grows. Don't put your eyes on your problems or on what other people are doing or could be doing. We always think the worst, don't we, when we don't know all the circumstances. But put your eyes on God. His character and what he is like 
God is sovereign, so he's in control. If you believe that God is good, if he's always there, I don't think any of us should ever say, well, I think, you know, God kind of left me there on that one. That's not a biblical view on suffering. God never leaves you. Believe God's promises. I will never leave you or forsake you. Some of you memorize that verse. That's a, that's a promise you need to hold on to. Another thing that we often hear is, well, you know, God didn't answer my prayer on this one. That's not biblical either. God always answers prayer. Always. Yes, no, or wait. But maybe you didn't get the answer you wanted, so you said, God didn't answer my prayer. Yeah, he did. He said no. That's an answer. Right? Are you tracking with me, Melanie Park? Amen? Think about these things. Consider what I say, and God will give you insight into everything. I don't have it all worked out about the sovereignty of God. But I do know that my God is faithful. It's great. Did you think about those 45, I didn't count them all, but 45 character qualities of God. Wow, what a way to finish out this year. Hang on to that. Hang on to Jesus Christ when you're suffering or when you're going through difficulties in 2019. And he is faithful, and he will do it. So is God in control? You bet he is. But I'm afraid that some of you are not strong in the faith, and you will fold up and begin to believe things that aren't true, aren't biblical. God wants you to be strengthened in your faith. He wants to strengthen me in my faith. He's going to put me through and my wife through certain situations there in Mexico City or even here in Lubbock maybe. We don't know what's going to happen. But trusting in a God that always does the best, that always has his perfect timing and always has our best interests and his best interests in his mind, I can rest in that. Are you resting in Jesus Christ? Maybe that should be your goal for 2019. Rest, resting in Jesus Christ doesn't mean you're inactive. Doesn't mean you're just sitting down there with your arms crossed and say, well, let's see what happens. No. That's why there's so many commands in the New Testament about what we need to be doing. And that's what we're coming up to here. Hold on to Jesus Christ. It will help you immensely in 2019. I want you to be successful in 2019. Not necessarily a better job or more money or realizing all the goals and and plans you have for next year, but that you grow in your faith, that you see that your faith is stronger, that you're a better witness for Jesus Christ. I think that's what we want. That's what God wants. So in verse 4, getting back to our passage, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. That's a command. That's a command there. It's not a suggestion or a good idea. And it didn't catch God by surprise. It wasn't something that occurred to him at the last minute. It was a command. And you know, we could take different perspectives on this one. But when God tells me to do something, I'm excited because he wants to include me in his plans. And who am I? Just a terrible sinner. But God's taking me into account. So when he tells you to do something in 2019, rejoice. Be glad. Don't look at it, oh, this isn't what I had planned. 
Or man, this really throws a wrench in my plans. No. Rejoice that God has chosen to include you in his plans when he could have just ignored you. Just put you off to the side and say, well, that person's not very good. Well, that person isn't very useful. But Jesus gave a command, something totally unexpected. I bet Simon Peter wasn't expecting anything like that. He had just spent all night fishing. The last thing he expected the teacher to do was to tell him to go back out there. So our next principle is God is going to speak to you to do something in 2019. Now, I've not suggested uh, God's will for our lives. He speaks to us through his word, through the impulses and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. I know, I mean, I'm not suggesting that God's going to appear to you in a vision and say something, although he could do that, but I don't, that's not his way. Or that he's going to tell, someone's going to come to you and say, God's will for your life is this, but... God mainly speaks through us to us through his word and through the movement of the Holy Spirit. But everything that happens in my life has to be filtered with the word of God. Amen? Melanie Park? Amen? So that means it's absolutely essential that we know what God says in his word. Because if we don't know, we're going to be weak in the faith. And we're probably going to be pulled away by some lie that someone's going to tell us that sounds like a good argument but isn't biblical. And there's plenty of that around. Plenty of that around. So God is going to speak to you to tell you to do something in 2019. That is for sure. Maybe it'll come from his word. Maybe uh, the Holy Spirit will guide you to, uh, with his word to do something in 2019. So what should your response be? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. My wife translates for the deaf in Mexico City. We don't have a lot of deaf in the church, but there are a couple or one that comes once in a while. And, and uh, Carla and a couple of other ladies that she's trained uh, translate all the service into the sign language. It's not ASL. It's a, another, there's a different sign language there in Mexico City. And we say, yes, sir. That's what our response should be. So Peter said, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. Every good fisherman knows that in the morning is not a good time to go fishing. The fish go deeper into water to avoid the warmth or the heat because that's where the food is. But at night, they're more likely to come to the surface. So the better time to fish is in the evening or even better in the early morning. So this command didn't make sense to Peter, especially because he had just spent all night, or they had spent all night fishing and didn't catch anything. How many times has God told you something and it didn't make any sense to you or to me? But God doesn't ask you to understand. He asks you to obey. That's the key. You talk about happiness. That's where happiness comes from. You want to be happy in Jesus Christ? Obedience. There's no peace. There's no rest until the Lord has his way. Does the Lord have his way in your life? Maybe that's why you don't have much peace or much rest. Because he doesn't have his way. I don't know. I don't know what your personal life is like. 
But that is key. That is the key. So how many times in biblical examples have we had people who were following a certain course of life and suddenly God came in and changed everything? Look at Moses tending his sheep there on the there in the Sinai Peninsula probably, and suddenly a burning bush experience changed his life forever. Look at Matthew, sitting at his table collecting taxes. Jesus comes along, you know, he says two words, follow me. That's all he said. Matthew got up, left everything, and followed him. I don't know, maybe he had some assistance, I hope so, because he probably didn't leave his tables all there with the money all stacked up and counted and everything, just leaving it alone. Changed his life completely. That could happen in 2019. What Jesus wants you to do is exercise your faith. He's going to ask you to do something that doesn't make sense to you or to me. And it's to exercise your faith and for it to grow. Don't you want your faith to grow? I think every one of you here would say, I want my faith to grow. That's the way it's going to happen. Trusting in Jesus Christ and not on your own understanding. What does Proverbs 3 say? 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Recognize Him in all your ways, and He will make your path straight. He's not asking us to depend on our own understanding. If it was Peter, he would have said, forget it, Lord. You don't know what you're talking about. Are you a fisherman? Didn't say that. But because you say so, it says here in the NIV, I will let down the nets. So our response, my response, your response, because you say so. Because you say so. That's the only reason I'm going to do it. So in 2019, when God tells you to do something totally out of left field, totally beyond your radar, because you say so. But you've got to be sure that he's telling you. You've got to be sure. So maybe for some of you, there's going to be a big change in 2019, maybe a new job, totally new job, maybe a new city. Maybe he's going to tell you to move to some other city. Maybe he's going to tell some of you to come down to Mexico City and work with us. Man, would that be a blessing. I'd say an amen to that one. Or okay, maybe not to live, but a couple weeks, maybe a couple months. That would be great to have some of you guys down there for that length of time. I know that in this church there are three or four men who are considering being elders. I don't know if you're aware of that or not. And they're praying about it. And I want to direct myself to them if they're here today. If not, may God deal with them. But if you're hearing God telling you to be an elder, don't drag your heels. Don't put, I'm not ready. Well, I don't want this experience. If God's calling you to do it, you better do it obedience. Pray for those men. I'm praying for them. I've been praying for a long time. Todd and I and Mark and a couple of others have been praying for these guys for I don't know how many months, maybe years. Same thing in Mexico City. Five guys are being trained to being elders. Two are preaching. One is preaching probably at this, no, not quite yet. He'll be preaching in about a half an hour. And guys are being trained. And they have a desire to be pastors or elders. Pray for those men. But if you're one of those men and you're here today, you better hear God very clearly. And it shouldn't take a long time. Because God is pretty quick. When it comes to telling you what he, you, he wants you to do, 
It's direct, and you need to understand it clearly. So what was Peter's response? He said, I will let down the net. So when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. Wow. Imagine that. Imagine that. What a blessing. Another biblical principle that we can get from this is that God blesses you when you're obedient. Maybe not with a lot of food, in this case, but maybe spiritually. Maybe with more opportunities to share. Maybe with a greater peace. Maybe with greater confidence in Him. God blesses when you are obedient. And not necessarily in terms of money or possessions. Although God could bless you and has blessed many of you that way. That's not necessarily the promise. Promise is blessings. I want God's blessings. Do you want God's blessings in your life? I do. And many of those are not going to be material things. They're going to be things like hope, faith, peace, patience, perseverance, self-control. Those are the kinds of blessings I really want in my life. A greater understanding and understanding and insight into God's Word. A better way to how to treat people. As pastor of two churches, God, I need a lot of God's wisdom. A lot. To how to deal with people, especially difficult ones. Oh, oh, there's no difficult ones at all in those churches. None at all. Yeah, right. If you believe that, I have a piece of land in Florida to sell you. So, you maybe you think you're not ready or prepared to be ready to obey. And sometimes it's beyond what you expect or imagine. But all God asks for is obedience. Think about when you pray, when you ask God. We look at Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work in us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. You should memorize those verses. I have. Boy, they encourage me. The sovereignty of God encourages me. I know that he's with me all the time, and he's always faithful, and he always does his promises, and nothing slips through his hands. But that can only come through spiritual growth and through testings and spiritual growth. So be prepared in 2019. Remember, that God wants to bless you. He wants to bless you immeasurably more than all you ask for or imagine, according to His power that works in you. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? You're not convincing me. Amen? Are you tracking with me, Melanie Park? <laughs> Hang on to those promises. God is faithful, and He will do it. There's no doubt about that, but if, like I said, if you're going to have that kind of conviction, you need to be in connected to Jesus Christ. Connected and walking in intimate fellowship with him. There's no other way. There's just no other way. Because it's not within you, and it's not within me. It only comes from him. Because we're talking about something spiritual, supernatural here. We're talking about something only the Holy Spirit can do in your life, in my life. There's no other way. So that's encouraging 
So in 2019, you're probably going to have to wait on God. Oh, boy. Wait on God. Uh, that's really a test for me. When I'm in traffic in Mexico City, Mexico City, about 30 million people, somewhere around there, more people than there are in all of Canada, 30 million people all bunched up there in that small area with over 5 million cars. So you can imagine the traffic problems that there are. So every time I have to leave Ciudad Azteca, which is the suburb where we live in Mexico City, I, God, give me, and a lot of times I don't have a lot of patience, especially with slow drivers or drivers who are lost. Boy, waiting on God. It's good to wait on God. Some of you have been waiting a long time on God. Good thing. That's a good thing. Maybe you're praying and waiting for an answer, and God tells you, wait. Keep praying. I've been praying for my family. I have three brothers, excuse me, three sisters and two brothers. I've been praying for their salvation for more than 35 years, and God tells me, keep praying. Keep praying. So I keep praying. Keep praying. And maybe you're in a similar situation. Maybe there's someone in your life you're praying for. Maybe there's a situation you're waiting for God to resolve, and you've done everything you can. Now it's time to wait. It's time to wait. It's good to wait on God. We're not good at waiting, are we? That's why we have microwaves and fast food places and, you know, instant gratification. And that's a character quality. You know, that's the fruit of the Spirit. Patience. Do you want the fruit of the Spirit in your life? Patience. Wow, do we need patience. It's good to be patient here at church, right? When there are sometimes. <laughs> but in your home, what you, would your wife say? or your husband, how patient you are, or your family. If you're not married, you don't have kids, what would your family say about how patient you are? That's a fruit of the Spirit. You want to know if you're growing in Christ or not? You have more patience. That doesn't mean you just smooth over things and pretend they don't exist. That's not patience. It's patience in the affliction. It's patience in waiting. So Peter... When Simon Peter saw this, he said, Thank you, Lord! Man, thank you so much. Now we have enough to eat for a whole month. Didn't say that. What did he say? What was his reaction? It's right there in verse 8. He fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. Oh, where did that come from? Did Jesus talk about sin? I don't know what he talked about. Scripture doesn't tell us what he talked about. But he had a sensitivity to his own sin. You know, a lot of times we throw Peter under the bus. You know what I mean by that phrase? We throw Peter under the bus as impulsive, and he doesn't think, and he does things off the top of his head without thinking and without planning. And, yeah, that's true, but, you know, Peter had a lot of great qualities. He stepped out of the boat when Jesus was walking across the water. He said, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you over the water. None of the other disciples did that. Wow, that's faith. Got out of the boat. I know he started sinking. But there were a few steps he took on top of the water looking at Jesus. When Jesus said, who do you say that I am? He was the first one that said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Wow, what a confession of faith. 
So Peter had some great qualities. And it's our response, it's your response to God's greatness, power, majesty. You know, a lot of times we want, we say, God, I want to see your majesty. I want to see your power. I want to see your greatness. But we don't understand what that means, do we? I'm not telling you to stop asking for that. But what I am saying is that when you draw closer to God, you will see yourself more clearly as God sees you. And that's where I need to be. That's where you need to be. When you draw closer near to God, point four, when you draw near to God, you will see your own sin more clearly. And it's a humbling experience. And we have a number of men in Scripture who the same thing happened. The same thing happened. God tells Moses, take off your sandals because the place where you're standing is holy ground. Isaiah got his call from God and said, woe is me, I'm a lost man because I'm a sinful man with sinful lips and part of a nation of sinful lips. What's the first thing he recognized? When His sin. When John the apostle saw the resurrected Christ in the island of Patmos, or Patmos, he fell down as dead before the feet of Jesus. Because, well, the scripture doesn't say, but I bet he saw his own sin. You and I need to see that. Because we can begin to think we're pretty good. Hey, I'm pretty good, man. I go to church every Sunday. Go to Bible studies, home group during the week. Hey, man, I'm part of the worship team. Nothing against the worship team. I'm doing pretty good. What more do you want, God? God has some things that he wants you to do you don't know about. But he will tell you. He's faithful. So when you draw near to God, you'll see your own sin more clearly. And that's a good thing because if you're in that kind of thing, if, you're, if you have a, a, a habitual sin or a repetitive sin in your life, God wants you to repent from that. God wants you to repent from that. I don't know your personal life. God does. But I can assure you, we're all sinners. We all struggle with sin. All of us do. Attitudes, desires, things that God doesn't want us to do or have or, or think. But some of us have a repetitive sin, a habitual sin in our life. That's different. God wants us to repent. He wants you to repent. He wants me to repent from those things. And the only way that's going to happen is through his power, drawing near to him. We all know it. Spending time with God, reading his word, praying, but meditation on his word is going to help you tremendously. God will, God's word is powerful. We believe that. It can change your life. It's changed mine. And I've seen it change other people's lives in miraculous ways. So let God change you. The more sensitive you are to sin, the more sensitive you will be to God's Word and His Spirit. God's speaking to you all the time. Are you hearing Him? Some of you go throughout your lives like, go throughout your life and you don't hear God speaking. He is talking to you. He's talking to you constantly. But you need to develop that sensitivity. It's something you cultivate. And just because you're a Christian and you have the Holy Spirit doesn't automatically mean that you're sensitive to Him. So Peter's response was exactly what God wanted. Exactly where God wanted him to be. So if you have that same response, seeing the greatness and power and majesty of God, you're in good, you're in good position. You're in a good position. 
God wants to use a humble vessel. Verse 9, for he and all of his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. The word astonished there in NIV really isn't, well, to me, the best translation. Terrified would be a better translation at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Wow. They were terrified. So it wasn't a great rejoicing and jumping up and down. They were, they were terrified. They were terrified. If you're terrified at what God's doing in your life, that's not such a bad thing. Now, I know we're not supposed to live in fear. But the fear of the Lord is an essential ingredient in a, in a mature Christian's life. Now, the fear of the Lord isn't, oh, God, don't, don't send lightning bolts down to me. I'm, I'm sorry. It's not that kind of fear. The fear of the Lord is an awareness that every word, thought, and action are being evaluated by him. An awareness that every thought, word, and action is being evaluated by him. A cursory study of Proverbs will let you see that there are many Proverbs that talk about the fear of the Lord. Through mercy and truth, sin is atoned for, and by the fear of the Lord, men avoid evil. Proverbs 16.6. So we see that God has, there is a purpose in the fear of the Lord. If you don't have the fear of the Lord, you need it. You need it. Now, a lot of times we think, well, the fear of the Lord, if God is evaluating every thought, word, and action, I don't want him to do that because maybe there's some things we want to hide from God. Can you imagine that, trying to hide something from God? That sounds like Jonah to me. You want to be a Jonah? I don't want to be swallowed by a fish. I don't want to go through that experience. I know God disciplines, but if I can be obedient the first time, maybe I can avoid some of those spankings God's going to give me. Maybe you say, well, God doesn't spank people. Mm. Well, then you have to explain to me what Hebrews 12 says about God's discipline in your life. And he uses the word. He uses a pretty strong word. So they were, but it's a good thing because when we think about the fear of the Lord and God's evaluating and everything, think about it in a positive sense. Think about it in a positive sense. Maybe many of you have done things for God and no one knows and you're sitting there throwing a pity party saying, no one even gave me a thank you. But there's one who is taking notes. And he sees. And he knows. And that's all that matters. I say that because that's happened to me. I'm out there sharing the gospel with somebody. Someone receives Christ or a whole family receives Christ. And I want to go tell people. I want to go to the church and say, this week a whole family came to Christ which is probably not a bad thing, but if my motivation is to draw attention to myself, uh-uh, uh-uh. And God says to me, no, you don't need to tell anybody. I'm taking notes, and I'm seeing what you're doing. So the next time you do something really good that comes out really well, and does, you're doing it for God, and it's a great thing, God's taking notes. He knows and he will reward you. He will bless you at the right time and in the right way. So, and it just wasn't Peter who were terrified. It was also James and John. And then Jesus gives him a commission. 
Another command. Another command. God, you just gave me another. Just give me a command. Another one? Yep. Two words. Well, actually four. Don't be afraid or don't fear. From now on, you will catch men. Wow, what a change in life. It's a commission. It's an assignment. What a change. What a change. You see how God is moving all this according to his plan? I imagine Peter was listening to him while he was teaching in the boat, washing and fixing his nets. I don't know how long Jesus taught, maybe half an hour, maybe, maybe he was on Mexican time and talked two hours. I don't know. <clears throat> Nothing against Mexico. I love Mexico. Just a difference in culture there. But, and then he had this command. He saw the great catch of fish. He saw, his world, I imagine his mind just spinning around. His world is all in change. Has that happened to you? Has that happened? That's happened to me. Things I never expected just suddenly came out of nowhere. But when I believe in a sovereign God, it didn't come out of nowhere. It was all planned. And that gives me courage for 2019. I can face with Jesus Christ in me and his Holy Spirit, I can face anything God's going to put in my path. Anything. Even if it's a tragedy. Even if it's going to shake me to my boots or my shoes. I'm ready. God is going to, I don't feel ready, but God's going to make me ready because he's faithful. And he's given a call. He's given a call to every one of you. How faithful are you to be a testimony at your place of work, in your home? And I'm not just talking about it being a good person. I'm talking about being a godly person. There's a difference. And I'm not saying either going around grabbing people by the collar and saying you need to Jesus, you're going to hell. Carla and I don't do that. We've never done that in Mexico City. God, you have to be directed by God's Holy Spirit how to share the gospel. The most important thing is that you're living it out and you're talking it. Deeds and words have to go together. Can't separate those two out. What your, your testimony, your, your, your physical testimony, what your actions are and your words. So verse 11. So they pulled their boats up on the shore and left everything and followed him. Talking about Peter, James, and John. Who knows who else? I don't know how many guys there were there. There were two boats. Maybe there were more. Maybe there was a number of guys, but we know Peter, James, and John, and Luke, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, signals out those three men because, as you know, those three men were to become Jesus' inner circle of friends. But notice what they did. They left something very important to support him, to follow him. So maybe in 2019, well, Hebrews 12.1 sums it up for us. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Hebrews 12.1. God tells us that there are two things. We're in a Christian race. All of us are in a race. We're running. And the goal is to cross the finish line. It's not to be first, I can't be first. There are millions of Christians who went before me. But I can cross the finish line. And that's the goal for Jesus Christ, that you cross the finish line, that I cross the finish line. And he's equipped us to be able to do that. A lot of it depends on 
your response. Your response. They left everything. So two things as you're running. Laying aside every weight and sin. Now, we all understand sin, as I mentioned before. I don't know your personal life, but you may have an habitual, repetitive sin in your life. God wants you to lay that aside. Repent. Ask for forgiveness. If you need somebody to help you with that, there are plenty of accountability partners. I'm sure the elders, I'm sure Todd, Mark, or Carrie, or even HUD would be more than willing, and maybe others too, to meet with you to help you repent. That's really serious. There are Christians who have lived defeated lives. There's no victory, no peace, no rest, because there's a habitual sin in their life, a repetitive sin. God wants that to be out of your life. But you have to take action. And the other thing, it's sin and laying aside every weight, which may not be sin, but there may be a habit, there may be some kind of thing that you're doing in your life that is drawing you away from God. It's dulling your sensitivity to Jesus Christ. What is that in your life? I don't know. God has to tell you that. I don't know your lives well enough to be able to tell you. But I know that there are certain things that are not necessarily bad in themselves that can dull your sensitivity to Jesus Christ, to his word and to his spirit. And God wants you and I to leave those habits behind. I know that some of you have very Good, you, you have pastimes, you have hobbies. Is that hobby? Is that pastime taking you away from spending time with Jesus Christ? In 2019, one of my prayers for you, and I have prayed for this church. I don't know all of you well enough to pray individually. But one of the things I pray for, and in Mexico City, I do know the people well enough to pray individually for each one of them, at least once a week, sometimes more that they would spend quality time with Jesus Christ every day, not just praying over meals and when you get up in the morning or go to sleep at night, but praying for an extended period of time. Reading God's Word and meditating on it. You want to grow in Christ? There's no magic wand. There's no recipes. But there are spiritual disciplines that you, that you and I need to put in your life to be able to grow. Now you think, well, maybe there are some people who don't need that as much as I do. Or maybe others need it more than I do. No, we all need it. We all need it. So maybe, again, getting back to laying aside every weight and sin which clings so closely that we need to give up to run the race in 2019. So principle number five, let go of what hinders you from following Jesus Christ. What is that in your life? Think about it. Analyze your life. Reflect on your life. Is there a habit? Is there a particular way of acting? Is there a hobby that you have that is taking away time from following Jesus Christ? That's what these men did. Now, we all understand we're supposed to leave everything, right, to follow Jesus. I'm not saying that all of you should quit your jobs and come down to Mexico City to work with us. Honestly, I don't know what we'd do with all of you if you all came down there. But... In this case, we're talking about leaving something behind that's very important. We're talking about their jobs. We're talking about their jobs. They just left everything. It's kind of like Matthew did the same thing. And he didn't have, well, how am I going to live? And we know that Peter had a family, or at least had a wife. I don't know if he had any kids. I imagine he probably did. The Bible doesn't talk about that, but did have a, a mother-in-law, which means he had a wife. So... 
He had a family to support. And that's one of the first things. Well, how am I going to support myself? How am I going to support my family? He didn't even worry about that. His trust was in God. So let go of what hinders you from following Jesus in 2019. What is it? Think about it. Think about it. Maybe there's something in your life you need, or some things you need to let go of. And that leads us to the end of our message today. You know, there's only one gospel. Only one gospel. Although there are, there are other people who want to put other gospels. There's only one gospel. There's only one truth. Only one truth. Jesus is the way. Jesus said, I'm the way, the life, the truth, the way, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. We live in a pluralistic society. We live in a world that says that things are relative. But we can be sure of one thing. There's only one truth, and that truth is Jesus Christ and his word. That's the only truth that there is. And there's only one escape from the coming judgment. There's a coming judgment. We just, feel, we just celebrated Jesus' first, his coming the first time as a baby in a manger. And that is great and marvelous as it is. That can't save me. If I just come to the, to the manger there, that's not going to save me. It's the end of the story. That's just the beginning of the story. The end of the story is what's going to save me when Jesus was on a cross because his birth had to do with the cross and had to do with my sin. That's what his birth came, that's what his birth had to do with. And Jesus didn't die on a cross and, uh, and suffer all that he did just to offer another way of salvation. There's only one way. Jesus compared the coming of the Son of Man with Noah's ark and the flood. Jesus said, just like in the days of Noah, People were living their lives normally, going to work, having children, having time with their family. And the flood came and took them all away, except for eight people. What happened to those eight people? They got on the ark. They got into the ark. That was the only way. The only way to be saved from that judgment was in the ark. So you and I need to get into the ark. Are you in the ark today? Because if you're not, you need to get in. There's no other way. The ark is a type of Christ. The ark is a symbol of Jesus Christ. Imagine if somebody said, well, no, I, I don't believe in the ark. It's not well built. And Noah, well, he's just a failure, so I'm not going to pay attention. I'm going to do my own thing. They were taken away with the flood when the judgment came. So where are you with Jesus Christ this morning? All that we've shared today can only happen if Jesus Christ is working in your life. That's the only way. It's supernaturally fulfilled as God works in your life. So are you connected with Jesus Christ today? Because if you're not, you need to be. And that's a great way to start out 2019. Well, you don't have to wait until Tuesday. You can do it now. You can do it now. You can pray. You can give your life to Jesus. And that's what we're talking about. So I want you all to stand. Close your eyes and are you in the ark today? Are you connected with Jesus Christ? Because if you are, when judgment comes, you'll be saved. When Jesus comes back, you'll go with him. But if you're not connected to Jesus Christ today, when he comes back, you're not going with him. That's the simple truth. That's the simple truth.
And I say that because I want you to be in Jesus Christ today. It doesn't count, doesn't have to do with coming to church or praying, reading your Bible, being a good person, trying to fulfill all your New Year's resolutions. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with Jesus Christ and his plan for your life. So get into the ark if you're not there today. If you're not there today, you need to get in. Jesus said, God says we're all sinners, separated from God because of our sin. We can do good things, but our sin separates us from him. And sin deserves punishment. God doesn't want us to be punished. God wants us to enjoy salvation. So he sent his son. And he died on a cross for your sins, all of them even the ones you're going to commit sometime in the future so that you can be with him. But you have to make a decision. Is there anybody that wants to get into the ark today who's not already in it? If so, if that's your desire, if you want to get into the ark because there's a coming judgment and only one way and to enjoy God's blessings, raise your hand because I want to talk to you. I want to know who you are. I want to talk to you after the service. Raise your hand. There's somebody who wants to get in the ark, somebody who wants to have salvation, somebody who wants to know for sure that when they die, they're going to heaven. Because that's what God wants. That's what God teaches in his word. God, thank you for Melanie Park. Definitely, without a doubt, you've used Melanie Park in many parts of the world. God, I thank you for their faithfulness. Thank you for the men who direct the church and the women who serve formally. Thank you for their lives, that they're dedicating their lives to what your will is in this church. May you be honored and glorified. Continue to use this church for your honor and glory. God, thank you that you've brought us to the end of, the, of one year. Prepare us for what you have for us next year. And whatever happens, help us be faithful to you. Sometimes we might wobble in our faith, but help us never let go of you, ever. I know you'll never let go of us. I know you'll never let go of me. But help me not ever, ever let go of you. And I pray the same for my brothers and sisters here. And if there's anybody here who's not in the ark, maybe they think they are, but they're not, convince them of sin, righteousness, and judgment that they would know where they stand with you. God, thank you. Forgive us of our sins, God. Help us live holy lives before you. And I give you thanks, and I pray all this, and give thanks to him who sits on the throne, Jesus Christ.